Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to the Inside Strategic Coach Podcast with Dan Sullivan. Dan, one of our long-term clients came up to me the other day and talked about how valuable he found the concept of going against gravity. And I was really excited because we have not talked about it for a while. It's things you've written about before, especially with regard to unique ability or the time system. But I thought it would be, this would be a great opportunity to dive into what is going against gravity and what Tony Rose found so useful because we haven't explored that for a while. So what is going against gravity? You describe it personally for yourself and in terms of when you're doing something different, but I'd love to hear it from you. Yeah, well, I'll give you an example, and it's one of the early concepts in the program, which is the time system, free days, focus days, and buffer days. And there's a formula that whatever your free time is right now, and you double the amount of free time you have, and this is real free time, not pretend free time, but actual free time, over a period of time of doing that, you will actually double your income. By actually working less, you'll increase your money. And when you talk to 99% of people out in the marketplace, they said, well, I'm sorry, that's not possible. To make more money, you've got to work more hours and longer hours. So for most people who live in what I would call the time and effort economy, if you want more money, you have to put in more time and you have to put in more effort. And I would call that their law of gravity. So that if instead of doing that, you just think about results, it's not a function of the amount of time you put into work or it's not an amount of effort. It's strictly the size of the results that you get. You can get a result. For some people, it takes 20 hours to get a result. But for someone else who's got a new idea, they can get the same result in one hour. They've got 19 hours back that the other person has to put in. And entrepreneurism generally always goes against gravity. Mm -hmm. They're always taking something that takes them out of this time and effort, and they're coming up with a way of producing the same result or a better result in one-tenth of the time or one-tenth of the effort. That's going against the gravitational system that most people live by. And there's only about 5% of the population in any adult world, and this is pretty consistent around the world, who do not work according to the law of time and effort gravity. In other words, their whole notion, 95% of people, and I don't know if the world needs any more than 5% of people <laughs> who shorten time and they actually get results with less time and less effort. So they go against gravity. They go against gravity. The other thing is, I say to people, if you take all your clients and customers and you divide them into the top 20 and the bottom 80, if you were to fire the bottom 80, you would double your income in probably about two or three years, mm -hmm. maybe even more, because right now, the amount of effort and time going into your bottom 80% clients is actually putting you in a loss position. But if you took that amount of time that you're in the bottom 80% and devoted them to the top 20, you would expand the top 20% by three or four times. And first of all, they're much more enjoyable people to work with, and mm -hmm. the result is because when you work, you actually make a profit. <laughs> yes. And profitable activity is more fun than others, but they require less effort. You give them one idea, and they say, that was fantastic. You're with them for a half hour, they're talking through something, and you say to them, you know, if you did this, this, and this, instead of that, that, and that, oh, that's amazing. That was worth the meeting. And that's why I always tell people, never have your 
income tied to time and effort. Always have your income tied to results. Mm-hmm. There's a famous story of a, a man driving, you know, a very expensive car, let's call it a Rolls Royce, and he's backcountry somewhere, and the car stops and it doesn't work. And, you know, you can't just get a mechanic anywhere for a Rolls Royce. So he's in such a backward place, they don't even have a garage there. They have a blacksmith because they have horses. And so he goes to the blacksmith and he says, I got this Rolls Royce. And I said, I'm not even supposed to let anybody work on it, but I got to get someplace. And the guy says, well, put the hood up. He gets a hammer out of his bag. And the guy says, no, this is Rolls Royce. He said, you're asking me if I can help you. He says, I can help you. Now get in. And when I give the signal, you hit the ignition and I'll start the car for you. So he hits the ignition, the guy hits it with his hammer and the car starts. And the guy says, this is amazing. He closes the car and he takes out you know, some loose change. He's thinking $5 or something like that. And he says, well, how much is that? And he says, $500. $500 for hitting my car with a hammer? He says, no, $5 for hitting your car with a hammer. $495 for knowing where to hit it. <laughs> I love that story. Yeah. It's been told in 50 different variations and different things. But the truth is, he wasn't getting paid for his time and effort. He was getting paid for the result, which Mm -hmm. basically the blacksmith started a Rolls Royce. (laughs) And the driver of the Rolls Royce didn't know how to start it. So that describes the entrepreneurs or the blacksmith who knows where to hit the Rolls Royce with the hammer. Mm -hmm. Most people would say, oh, gee, we're going to have to push it. You know, we're going to have to push the car. Can I borrow your horses to pull the car <laughs> to the next town? So it's one of those things that intuitively people just know that that's true, that there are certain people who can see a problem and just come up with a new way of solving it. And there's no reason why they should be paid for their time and effort because mm-hmm. there wasn't much time and there wasn't much effort that showed up in that situation. Now, They have maybe 20, 30 years of being really, really smart about things, Mm -hmm. and you get the benefit of all their smartness like that. That's an awesome description of exactly how entrepreneurs work. It's interesting, the 5% lives in a world with the other 95%. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the gravitational force that they feel. And you know, in a lot of ways, they look similar and dress mm-hmm. similarly and all of that, but their thinking is very different. And the contrast in thinking, I think, sometimes has an impact on people, and they can feel as though they're doing something differently or and that's not as good, or, you know, they raise objections. And they may not even be sometimes their objections. It's ones they've heard from other people. And I'm thinking, Dan, of some of the going against gravity pieces that you've written. Mm-hmm. And you kind of list all the obstacles. Yes. You know, going against gravity is basically obstacles. And then you come up with the flip. You come up with the strategy. So talk about the experience of when people are hitting that gravitational force and how to handle it. Well, basically, it's a form of thinking. You use numbers, but let's say it's 95%, 5%. There's four levels of thinking that human beings do. And three, everybody does to a certain extent. But there's one that only a very small percentage of people do. So these four very distinct levels of thinking. And the first level of thinking is thinking about things. So 
you know, our life is thinking about the things. We live in the thing world, you know, and people talk about every kind of object. They talk about every kind of material convenience and comfort around them. And there's all this talk about things. Oh, you got the new thing and everything else. And there's competition. I've got the latest thing. You've got an old thing and everything like that. And to a certain extent, that makes up a lot of daily conversation, you know. My house is better than your house. My yard is bigger My than kids yours. Are better than your, kids. your kids are better than your. That's oh, different. That's, that's actually level two, and level two is where people think about people. And social media depends upon this. You know, your five hundred friends on social media, and you're comparing and saying who's doing what and everything like that. So when you think about daily life, if you were just to be an observer and walk around to cafes and coffee places and fast food restaurants and were in offices and you were in subways or buses and planes and terminals and everything else, probably most of what you would hear and hear what people are talking about, they're spending all their time thinking about things and talking about things or thinking about people and thinking about other people, you know, mm-hmm. and that makes up daily life. Mm-hmm. And they're happy or unhappy, depending on whether things and people in their life are going in the right direction or not going in the right direction. Then there's a level, and it's a more, in people's minds, it's sort of a higher level, and it's people who think about thoughts. And it's the main qualifier to be a professor at a university, mm. to be a teacher. But you're not thinking about your thoughts. You're thinking about other people's thoughts. Mm. So people become famous for being the expert on a famous thinker, and their whole life is his thoughts. You know, there's Shakespeare professors and experts and any kind of human thought, there are these experts, but they're not their thoughts. Uh-huh. They become the expert on someone else's thoughts, you know, and it's a bit like worshiping. They're kind of worshiping yeah, other think, people and they're worshiping their thoughts. I think know. about philosophers. Yeah, and... philosophers. There's some original philosophers who are gods, <laughs> you know, Plato, Aristotle, you know, St. Augustine, uh-huh. you know, all these people. And then people devote their entire lifetimes. There's entire departments. There's entire networks of people who debate this thought Mm -hmm. that he really mean that and that has great influence on society because these thoughts have consequences you know marx is a great example more people have been killed because of the thoughts of marx Mm -hmm. than probably any other single thinker you know and everything i know him about it he was a very unpleasant human being Mm -hmm. and i think he had thoughts that were killer thoughts Hitler had killer thoughts. Mao himself probably killed the most 60, 70 million people. Mm. You know, but there's experts on Mao. And did Mao think this? Can we really say that he was thinking? And I said, well, the consequences seem to be that people who study his thoughts kill other people in large numbers. So that's thoughts. But it isn't your thinking. It's somebody else's thinking. And then you enter into this very interesting realm, which is called thinking about your thinking, And this is what we specialize in strategic coach because every one of our concepts and tools, we simply lay out a simple proposition or a simple question. And the person goes into, they say, well, what do I think about that? And they have to sit back and say, how do I think about that? You know, and everything like that. And what I've noticed is that people who think about their thinking create all the new things on the planet in every field of activity, Mm -hmm. artists, composers, and everything. 
they're not looking outside of themselves at things or thoughts or people. They're just looking and, well, how do I experience this and what's going on in my mind when I'm thinking about that? You know, And questions are the really, really great trigger. Answers are the deadeners of thinking. Because if you ask someone a question they've never thought about, there's only one place they can come to grips with that. They have to think about their thinking. Well, how do I think about that? You know, I can just see in the workshop, the current quarter, I've got a proposition that 90% of any problem is that it bothers you. And then I say, well, just write down three things that bother you right now. And they do. You know, I get them in the form. How do you do that? And I said, now, if this didn't bother you, how would you be acting? Well, there's no way they could have an answer to that because, first of all, they didn't even identify that it was bothering them. And then it bothers them. And they say, if it didn't bother me, oh, well, this is a whole new realm. And then they're thinking about their thinking. And I say, how do you actually get to the solution as fast as you can by having other people actually do the solution? Uh So they go from a bother that might have paralyzed are thinking for two or three years, and in about 15 seconds, I get them to change the proposition. One, admit that they're actually bothered. First time they actually told the truth, that they're bothered. And then I say, well, if you weren't bothered by this, how would you be acting? And they'd be doing this and this and this. And I said, now all those stuff that you're doing, can someone else do that? Uh And so they go from being paralyzed by bother by having a solution that only requires now that they communicate something. And they sit there, and I have them do three, and then they talk about it, and they find out how other people are thinking about their thinking, and they learn new things. And then they come back, and I said, well, how was that? And they said, we could go home right now, and it's about 10 o'clock in the morning. And I said, oh, okay, well, since you're really good at this now, why don't you do three more? And in about five minutes, they knock off three other bothers. Mm -hmm. And they said, this could go on all day. And I said, well, (laughs) you got six done. Why don't you get them into action? And why don't you get them and then go after some bothers? But what was paralyzing them is that they were looking at themselves through other people's thoughts. Mm -hmm. They were comparing themselves to other people. They were comparing them to other things in their life have handled and they're not handled that Mm -hmm. well. So they weren't doing their own thinking. Mm -hmm. And the reason was they weren't telling the truth that this really bothered them. But the moment they tell the truth and I say, well, if it didn't bother you, what would you be doing? And bang, all of a sudden they just get it. But you see, the gravity of the world is that you have to get to the bottom of things that bother you. Mm-hmm. You know, this could take years of going back and your childhood and everything else. And I said, well, that's one way of doing it. But at the end of it, would you have a solution that actually moves you forward? So the gravity is that we believe that getting to the bottom of why problems bother us is the right way to go about. And I said, well, what if we just took another approach and, first of all, told the truth that it bothers us and just say, well, if it didn't bother us, what would we do? You know, So that's going against gravity. What you described is so cool because you're kind of like captured and stuck and trapped and you're trying to jump and it's pushing you back down again. That's a particular experience and mindset. And then when you can flip it and it's that process of self-reflection that has you go from outer to inner and then all of a sudden you've gone against gravity. It's in the past tense and you're into space and you have so much more freedom and more options and there's no competition. It's like... I can now think and do completely differently because of that. Yeah. 
The interesting thing about it is that when you're bothered by something, mm-hmm. nobody else in the world is experiencing that. Mm-hmm. This is strictly your deal, you know. You can have 10 people in the room and one of them is really bothered by it. The other nine, I mean, they may not like being with a bothered person, but, you know, they don't know why it's bothering them, you know, because bother is uniquely individual, what bothers you. It's very personal. Yeah, and, you know, I notice when I'm tired, things bother me more than when I'm feeling really well-rested. You know, I used to have this statement. I said, do you ever notice that when you get really fatigued, other people get stupid? (laughs) (laughs) Why, when I'm fatigued, do all the stupid people in my life show up? I I quoted you yesterday on that, by the way. I said, well... You know, I had a man in the program a long time ago. I don't really attract this type of client anymore, but he was on his fifth marriage. Mm. I said, well, if you go back and analyze the first four, these are four different women. I said, what's the common factor there? It's not the women, because they were four different women. So what's the common factor? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And I said, maybe it's how you're thinking about this whole experience that's Mm -hmm. the problem, Mm -hmm. that you're using other people's thinking or, you know, you're comparing yourself with other people. You Mm -hmm. know, Glenn Campbell, the famous country and western singer, I think he was married six times. It might have been six then. And he says, yeah, I have a simple formula for my life. He says, every five or six years, I give half of my remaining wealth to another woman. I find out that I didn't really like that much. You know, <laughs> you know I said, this is a slow learner. What we have here, folks, is a very slow learner, you know. Yep. So the whole point is gravity is really how other people describe the time and effort that it's going to take to get a result. But it all comes because you're not thinking about your thinking. You're thinking mm-hmm. about things. Things have gravity, and you're thinking about people, and people have gravity, and thoughts that have been around a long time have gravity. And that's the laws of gravity and how it's possible. But if you go into the fourth realm of thinking about your thinking, then none of the laws of gravity that govern other people's life governs your life and you're to the other side. You got a whole new realm to yourself, and nobody's going to know it because their belief in the law of gravity will not allow them to see the shortcut that you've come up with, will not allow them to think about their thinking. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool, because you've talked about those four levels of thinking, and we've talked about going against gravity. Dan, this is so cool, because you've talked about the four levels of thinking before, and we've talked about going against gravity, but I have never connected until just this second that it's really thinking about your thinking that allows you to escape from gravity. So I think that's an awesome prescription for anyone who's feeling trapped, feeling stuck by existing ways, existing thoughts that might be holding them back. You've just given an amazing recipe for what to do and to get into that incredible zone of freedom and space and territory that's all your own to create new things. So I love this. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Shannon. At Strategic Coach, we focus on growth in every area of your business and life, leading to freedom that entrepreneurs dream of. Join Dan Sullivan, founder of Strategic Coach, for a brand new on-demand web presentation. It's a breakthrough hour of wisdom, insight, and proven strategies. Over 18,000 entrepreneurs can't be wrong. Watch today at danwebinar.com.